Hello, everyone. I'm Mark L. Vincent. I direct the Convene Consulting Network. And today I've had a lot of fun sitting out here in Montana as my family's walking around a city having great conversations with folks that connect to the Convene Consulting Network with me. Mm. And today uh, we're going to hear from Bruce Lane a little bit. And Bruce is someone I've uh, had the, the privilege of watching become a Convene Chair, recruit his team. I know a little bit about his heart and love for the people that he gets to serve. And he's got a lot of background in talent strategy and other matters related to talent. So that's going to be a part of our conversation today. And I look forward to it. So welcome to this conversation, Bruce. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. So uh, let's just start with the fact that you are a convened chair and you went on a little bit of a journey to become one. You chose it. You're not in a great big city like in New York or Dallas. No. Uh, you're in West Virginia. So that was a deliberate and strategic choice to say, I think this is worth doing. So what brought you to convene and why? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. Um, I, uh, I started my consulting practice about probably eight years ago, and it's to help uh, organizations, uh, teams, individuals really uh, maximize and accelerate performance. And um, as I was doing that, uh, just lots of thoughts, lots of prayer, different things came into my mind. And like, what's the end game with that, right? What's the end game with, what's the why of accelerating, maximizing performance? And um, God really just got a hold of me and, and, and said, you know, I really think that the end game is maximizing kingdom impact. And the better those teams and organizations perform, and the help you can give them, the why is, is kingdom impact. And so a couple years ago, um, continued to think through that and, and came across Convene and uh, just felt that maybe with my background and my uh, skill set and my desire and passion, maybe I could really maximize impact through my consulting practice of adding Convene. Uh, as a uh, really just being a chair and being able to uh, work with, uh, you know, Christian CEOs and, and business leaders and um, to do that. And who knew two and a half years later uh, that I've gone in my own mind from business and ministry to business as ministry to now business is ministry. You know, it's gone from a parallel path to a connected path to now it's just integrated and I love it. And it's just been so uh, rewarding uh, to, to really walk alongside these leaders and, and help them get the why that I got, if that makes sense. So uh, Bruce, uh, I really respect your story and that journey. I think it's really a special thing. Uh, mm. And I know a little bit about some of the, the things you've worked through with your team members already, and we're yeah. really fortunate to have you a part of this community. Thank you. Uh, you also have spent a lot of time in the, let's just call it the second chair for the purpose of this conversation and helping others who lead from that place. So as you look at people who might have that COO title, mm -hmm. what are some of the key components <clears throat> that bring them success? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because if you think about back in the day, the olden days, the COO was kind of the, hey, COO takes care of the vision and the strategy 
and the uh, COO is the operations guy, right? And so really it was an either or position. And I really think that that COO is a both and position, right? The COO has to be deep and wide. They have to be strategic and tactical, macro, micro, um, intuitive and analytical, have hindsight and foresight. And so it's really somebody that can complement the CEO that can, um, you know, uh, align with the CEO to carry out whatever that vision is. But really, it's 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 the ability to. I, I think first and foremost, it, it, you got to have good chemistry, and there's just got to be a high level of trust between the COO and the CEO because without that, you, you're not going to get anything done at best and it's going to be a horrible uh, uh, partnership because if there's no trust, then um, you're just not going to get, you know, what you need done and, and, and the organization's not going to move forward. That's good to hear. And I'm, I'm thinking here, um, Bruce, about organizations that kind of reach a point where they know they have to add this kind of a role. Sure. Uh, maybe they've tried to uh, have a glorified manager or a general manager, or maybe they've outsourced some of these functions, but now they need to bring it together. They need to make it strategic. They can't just have somebody who knows how to bark out instructions or move paper around a desk. So exactly. what does the owner or the CEO need to do to go about creating this role and doing so successfully? So, so first, I think that it gets to the point where not just the CEO knows that, hey, we can't execute properly in the way we're set up. We need somebody else to help, you know, look at that. So it's got to be kind of where that business growth is more of an execution game than just a strategy or a startup. But the C I think the number one thing is the CEO really has to be ready and willing to trust and share power. Um, I think there's times when uh, there's a need for a COO, but the CEO isn't ready, right? Uh, because the CEO is entrusting a lot of uh, the conversations he or she has had with the uh, leadership team, uh, being that person, uh, the go-to person, because now you're adding a layer, and it's a very important layer, but there's got to be that, I'm willing to give this up, and, you know, uh, there can't be an end around, right? You know, um, I, I still think anytime there's a COO, the CEO still should be listening uh, to the C-suite and whatever, uh, you know, not limit that access, but make sure that they still are willing to defer what needs to happen back to that COO. So, you know, there's a lot of different timing and depends on how mature your organization is and depends on, you know, uh, how flat the organization is, all of those things. But I think first and foremost, the CEO has got to be willing to and, and, and able, right, and ready to share that power and share that trust. So what are some of the key elements that just regardless of the type of company or type of industry that need to be in place if you're going to form an overall talent strategy? But that's a great question. I think the first thing is, is there's got to be alignment with the corporate strategy. 
I think a lot of people like, hey, I found this great person or whatever, but, you know, we should bring them on. But if that talent strategy is not aligned to the corporate strategy, you're just guessing that these positions that you need are correct and the people in those positions are going to work out. So start with alignment and then you could say, here's my analysis, right? Who do we have? Who do we need? What type of positions? And if it's the COO, then it's okay. You know, let's then build out a correct job description, whatever. Um, so then we can then start the talent attraction side, right? Where are we going to go to market, right? You just said it's not just who do I know. It's we're going to, you know, look at lots of different areas, but we're going to have an attraction mechanism so that we can find passive candidates, that we can, if we're going to work with a search firm, we can do that or whatever. So, you know, you go from analysis, who do we need to attraction, and then assessment, right? So it, it, it usually starts with um, interviewing, uh, making sure we've got the right candidates. It could be different assessments that they need to take, psych psychological, uh, different things depending on the organization, so that you can really start to uh, – call the herd down or come down the funnel, right? Here's all the candidates. Now we've got candidates. Here's a few. We've interviewed. We've identified um, the key, uh, the, the one or two that we're going to do. Now uh, we need to close that acquisition loop. So uh, close the deal. Do we have the right comp? Do we have the right benefits? Do we have the right things in place that then we're going to be able to take this candidate who we've worked really hard at getting and bring them on? So that's kind of the first attraction, assessment, uh, uh, acquisition, but then that's just where it starts, Mark. I mean, you know, you, you can move into then assimilation, right? How do we onboard them a proper, prop appropriately? And onboarding a senior exec is just as important as onboarding properly a, uh, a first-level supervisor or, or a staff individual. Um, and then while they're working for you, move into talent activation, right? Performance management. How are we going to get the most out of the individual while still getting the work done we need? And then the last two would be what I would call aspirational. What kind of career development plan do we have for the individual? And then uh, I call it appreciation, but it's really how are, how are we retaining our individuals? So if you think of it, it's that whole cycle starting with a, uh, alignment and then going all the way through appreciation. Any one of those parts that are out of joint or not working well, you're either going to identify and bring on the wrong candidates, or you're going to bring on the right ones that aren't going to stay with you. You know, you have um, been painting with your hands. I can almost see you drawing on a blackboard or something. <laughs> or a, you know, here's here's what the if we if we still lived in an area with blackboards or an era with blackboards and chalk. Right. But, you know, here's this model that you've painted. And as you were talking, the 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 expense uh, connected to this was striking me. Uh, so if you'll indulge me just for a second here, here's you know, there's the expense of doing nothing, which is like opportunity cost that Correct. you use because you know the company. And if you um, don't make the investment to uh, have a good talent strategy, then there's the expense on the back end. 
as you're recruiting and then recruiting again and then recruiting again and all the production loss and craziness that's happening from not having great talent alignment with the mission. Exactly. And then there's the expense of actually investing for the talent strategy. So one way or the other, if you're going to grow the company or even keep it the same, you've got a cost in front of you. Uh, and I, I just think you, you kind of got right at what really matters here, the seriousness of this. Yeah. And I wonder if my describing that just raised anything else that you might well, want to say. Well, yeah, I, I think first and foremost, people, you know, we, we say, well, our people are our most important assets, right? And if you think about it, uh, unless you're a heavy manufacturing equipment or you've got a lot of plant property and equipment, your talent is the most expensive uh, cost that most companies have. And really, they're the only ones who can do the work, right? I know we've heard, well, the robots are coming, all that. At some point, automation is going to keep doing. But our, the people we have, the knowledge workers, everybody, they're the ones who do the work. So having the right person in the right seat of a bus at the right time um, is so important. But when you, you know, when you, when you leave positions open, right, it's not just there's a cost, but there might be a revenue thing. What, what, are we, what revenue are we missing by not having these people, the right people in place? Um, and then, like you said, what's it costing us to this turnover? And, you know, it can be anywhere from I've seen, depending on an hourly employee, can be, you know, several thousand in cost to just your turnover cost to, you know, 10 to 50,000, depending on the, uh, the senior level uh, and C level, it can be hundreds of thousands of dollars if, we, if, if you hire the wrong person or if you have to hire another one. So, uh, and that's not just, the, that's not even just the emotional uh, cost of the team when there's constant turnover or you as a uh, HR or senior level of just not having the right people in place. So yeah, it, that's why you got to get it right. And if you get it right the first time, and if you got a strategy in place, you're just well ahead of the game. Uh, thanks for taking a few extra minutes there, Bruce. I want to ask you uh, yet one more question. Uh, sure. Let's say I am a really a very, very strategic C-suite leader, and we're going to um, uh, we're, we have an intention to strengthen our talent acquisition and talent development strategy. Uh, it's believed by some that uh, to really do that, it's, it's good to make use of outside help. There's certain efficiencies, there, there's some speed, there's some competency that might come because they're doing that kind of thing repetitively. Uh, it's the only thing that they're doing and so forth. So if I'm going to pursue strong outside assistance to do this well, uh, when it comes to talent strategy, what would I be looking for and what kind of forms does it take? Well, I think first is if, if that, the, the folks on the C-suite and the CEO, the president is going to do that, they, they've, they've really got to be on board uh, to be like, yeah, finding top candidates, the best fit candidate is the most important thing to me. It's almost like they need to look at that if they've got KPIs, if they've whatever, as much uh, as hey, CFO, what are the numbers, right? What does that look like? CIO, is this turned on or whatever? But that's as important as anything on 
do we have enough of the right people? So assuming that happens, then, and, and, and as mature your uh, organization or HR department, any one of those areas, attraction, acquisition, uh, assessment, assimilation, activation, you know, uh, any of those, even through retention, uh, can be pulled out depending on where the issue is, right? You know, if we're losing, if we're not retaining people, why? Well, work backwards, right? Is it because we're not appreciating them? Is it they're not engaged? Uh, do we not have the right uh, development program in place? Um, do we not, are we not, you know, all the way back to are we not finding the right people? So anywhere on that continuum, because I'm talking with my hands because I see it as a circle, uh, somebody can come in and help. There are, uh, there are consultants who can come in and help an organization set up the entire strategy and let them run with it. Um, there are places that, hey, we're really good at this part of it, but we need some help on the attraction part. Okay, um, it could be working with a consultant to figure out which uh, search firms they should use, right? It could be, hey, the main issue is it's an attraction issue because you don't, you need to go through the steps to figure out your employee value proposition, to figure out, you know, your, your marketing, what social media you should be on. So they're consultants, people can, any of those areas or they can do this whole thing depending on what uh depending on the appetite of the client and the real need thank you very much uh before we go it strikes me that um there might be something else that you were yet thinking about bruce that you would have liked to have shared today um and maybe my questions didn't draw that out so any last word here yeah. before we we wrap up yeah, I was just thinking about that, Mark, when, when we were talking about the COO position and that, and uh, I, I was going to say, but I failed to mention, not only have I helped, I'm, I'm helping leaders with that now, kind of functioning them, um, but I, I currently am a, a executive pastor uh, for a large uh, church, which is kind of like a large organization. Um, you know, I've got 20 large organization for a church, but 20 people reporting up through me. And, um, and so I'm functioning as that COO. And so when I was talking about having that uh, trust, having the um, chemistry, I need to have that. And I do have that with our senior pastor, just as somebody would need to have that with their COO, you know, it's really that COO position is really, it, it's really 100% on their uh, COO's ability to lead and, you know, have to have strong communication skills and collaboration skills and flexibility and all that. But it's really, a, uh, it's probably a, the best I can say, it's an exercise in change management because things are changing so fast, they're changing all the time that this COO, and I'm living it now, during COVID is pivoting and all that. And it's, it's, it's making sure that I understand the, and, and keep in mind that vision, that um, strategy and carry that out through this to make sure that what we're supposed to do is happening. So it, it really is that 
because I'm living that. And, and, and it's exciting. And the COO role can be a great role. Um, it just, you, you, I guess I would leave it is you got to have chemistry and you got to have trust. I am struck by that about how it is both um, hard skills and soft skills. Yes. Yeah. And that advanced both of them. Yep. Bruce, thanks for the time here. And I want to wish you well as you continue to serve God and serve your convene team members and serve client companies. Uh, and for all of you who are listening, I want to thank you for listening. We're going to put Bruce Lane's contact information up on the screen so that if there's something here that sparks your desire to have some conversation with him, you can follow up and he'll be glad to respond to you. So Absolutely. we'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you very much for listening. Farewell.